But this waiter guy who enters with a lot of bread. <laughs> yeah, let's focus on this guy. <laughs> let's, let's focus on this guy. Welcome to Pod Hard, everybody. This is Anders Hultqvist. And this is Jonas Högberg. Wow, that's a very mellow opening to uh, this pod about action movies. But we're two mellow guys, right, Anders? At least uh, two tired guys. People are going to be surprised, but uh, we've reached the year 1930. Oh, really? So, the old pod hard uh, thing was to watch a movie together and uh, just talk it up. And uh, I think we got a little tired of this summarizing a lot of movies. I think I even said when we had gone through the early stuff that uh, everything is uh, in place. So now just let's enjoy a movie. Now, I don't know if I enjoyed this one. But we're going to jump right into Hell's Angels from 1930. Yeah, and immediately you would uh, perhaps think of uh, like uh, motorcycles uh, and uh, some uh, gangs going at it. But uh, no, this is a movie about uh, the First World War, about the the brigades, the pilots. Uh, It's a movie in the same vein as uh, Wings. Well, this is uh, almost as uh, famous as Wings as it's Howard Hughes uh, directing the eccentric uh, millionaire who, uh, of course, um, Leonardo DiCaprio portrayed in The Aviator. A very curious guy who dated Catherine Hepburn and... uh, like uh, spent his uh, last 20 years in a hotel room um so uh, yeah a very weird guy in v- very many ways uh, and he was obsessed with uh, flying and uh, making movies uh, in the late the 20s and, and early 30s so if if i understand this right he wanted to do some serious uh, air action and then uh decided that it needed to be padded into a two-hour feature historical drama thingy. Yeah, I'm guessing he had like the James Cameron uh, bombardment, uh, crazy bananas uh, bringing everything into a movie uh, thing going for him. I mean, he filmed so much uh, material on this uh, film. For three years, he filmed on this um, on this film, uh, and he had like uh, five hundred hours of film, which is not common. And he only used like ninety nine percent. No, he only <laughs> used uh, the opposite. Only one percent of uh, of uh, that he 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 filmed. Which is, uh, well, not very cost-efficient, for one. And uh, <laughs> maybe you don't really know what you're doing if you're filming that much material. But is that uh, 
500 uh, hours of uh, air time, <laughs> I mean, air action, or is it everything? Because, I mean, these two leads probably needed uh, a few takes each, or uh, on second <laughs> hand, this could be the first takes on every scene. <laughs> yeah, I think well. it's the first takes, man. <laughs> They're so lousy, these actors. Um, yeah, so, um, mm, mm, mm. so well, I gotta ask you one uh, thing, Jonas. Mm-hmm. Well, ask me that one thing, Anders. Is the arrival of sound everything you dreamed of? Yeah, a couple of episodes back, I was complaining about the silent uh, movie era, uh, about the lack of sound and uh, uh, people speaking. And uh, now that I've gotten it, finally, I am, uh, yeah, I'm ashamed to have uh, uttered those words. Um, if this is what we have to look forward to, then I'm out. But this uh, this movie, um, it of course has some amazing air battles. That's why we're here. The action is great. We we can we can vouch for that. The action is phenomenal, but it's like twenty minutes of action and uh, one hour and forty minutes of uh, padding. That is uh, well. I mean, if you get through it, you are a trooper, a real trooper. We got through it. Yeah, and we're troopers, man. <laughs> As you said, uh, it's hogwash. It's hogwash, definitely. Yeah, and it's uh, aptly for this. Uh, it's apt for this movie, at least. So basically, it's about these uh, two posh dudes going about grinning, uh, and, <laughs> and the Great War is coming up, and and then uh, Gene Harlow is in this one, acting circles around these fellas. This was uh, Jean Harlow's uh, first movie. She was only 18 years old and was um, discovered on stage somewhere. So it should have been her first and their last. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, in some ways, I think it was sort of their last. I mean, they didn't do many movies after this. Who are they? I mean, I can't even bring myself to look up what the actors are called. Shit, we're gonna get their fan bases after us now. Do you think these guys have fan bases? Uh, didn't you say everyone has a fan base? Yeah, but these guys, I mean... Pushing it. Really? Yeah, you're pushing it, man. Uh, but yeah, Jean Harlow, you can definitely get why she became a big star of the 30s. And I mean, she tragically died only 26 years old. Uh, so she didn't have... Uh, <laughs> She didn't have that much time going for her, but uh, she nonetheless uh, became a legend of the silver screen, of course. Um, and uh, what's at least a bit interesting about the, the talking scenes and the stuff happening is that this was a movie made uh, just before they became strict with the Hays Code. Uh, you know, this um, Hollywood uh, moralistic uh, code that they uh, used very strictly from 1934 and on. Uh, but in the early 30s, they were sort of like, nah, we, we can still uh, uh, do whatever we want with movies. 
And so they did a lot of uh, feministic uh, movies that uh, portrayed women as sexual beings and uh, that they were allowed to speak their minds and uh, they were allowed to shun the idea of marriage and children and just to have a good time in life and, uh, you know, have uh, sex and uh, frolic about. And that is essentially what uh, Jean Harlow's character is all about. She's this uh, sultry vixen who uh, charms uh, the guys um, and uh, actually has sex with one of them in the movie, which is uh, pretty far out for 1930. She eats them up with her gazes. Yeah, I mean, she her eyes is uh, mesmerizing. And but, but there are some smaller parts for other women as well, That, but everyone is, is interested in these guys, and it's just uh, unfathomable. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh... <laughs> There should have been another lead here. There could have been some uh, chemistry uh, and that could have carried the movie, I think, uh, throughout. There's a young German guy. uh, They put him in a a watchtower beneath a zeppelin or what what you should say. Kind of like in um, Laputa, Castle in the Sky, Hayao Miyazaki's movie. That guy looked uh, more uh, interesting than these guys. They're buddies in the beginning. Um, these brothers that are these really boring uh, characters, uh, actors that uh, we hate, and this this German guys that they hang around with in the beginning of the movie before the war the war breaks out. And uh, yeah, this uh, German guy is uh, way more interesting and uh, a way better actor than these uh, very very boring dudes so maybe that is established now should we skip ahead to the zeppelin (laughs) yeah definitely let's do that it's the first big set piece there's this shot uh, of of the zeppelin approaching out of the darkness and clouds it's all blue tinted and it's it's magic this shot threatening and uh, very ominous image and the whole scene continues to be surreal you talked about uh, Miyazaki and uh, I actually think uh, that there there is um, um, a feeling an atmosphere that is uh, somewhat um, uh, alikened to uh, some of his movies like Spirited Away where there's a ghostly vibe in some scenes yeah more horror vibe of course but Uh, I mean, you get these big clouds uh, that are certainly Miyazaki clouds. It's a very unique vibe to this scene with the Zeppelin. Uh, They're like having like a training mission, but the training mission is over England, which is weird. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was happening, but it adds to this uh, dreamy, kind of slow, dreamy pacing. It's very suggestive. They're dropping bombs over a lake and uh, then there's an intertitle saying that they're dropping the bombs on Trafalgar Square, which I guess means that they're doing a training mission. But then the planes, uh, the the British um, airplanes come and uh, chase the Zeppelin. So they really have to be in Britain, I guess, which is weird, yeah. And the whole lake is burning. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, these shots uh, are great. Howard Hughes 
he directed uh, all of the action scenes and all of the boring padding was uh, apparently directed by James Whale who later on directed Frankenstein and The Invisible Man and a lot of horror movies in the early 30s and uh, yeah you can uh, uh, I almost feel like putting him down here but uh, but he makes uh, some good movies later on so um, let's let's not um, let's not dwell on the past let's not slaughter him but anyway uh, the Howard Hughes uh, directed the air scenes they are truly magnificent and apparently they did this um, uh, Zeppelin um, action scene well maybe not the the first part where where the planes are chasing the zeppelins and attacking it but later on when the zeppelin is um, blowing up they actually did this uh, in a scale model inside of a great big hangar and they used all sorts of uh, technical tricks to get this right we get another one of, of uh, the best explosions in cinema history here. And uh, it's funny because it's uh, three in a row now in in uh, our episodes here. Yeah. Uh, Wings and uh, the cameraman and, and now uh, in uh, Hell's Angels. Yeah, and, and the explosion in the cameraman perhaps wasn't uh, really filmed for the cameraman. But now it's cinema. Yeah, now it's cinema. But and there's so many camera positions on on when this explodes as well, and and the tinting here does it does it favors as well. I mean the blue tint, the, this very dark blue tint, and then the explosion is uh, almost red uh, tinted. Yeah, I mean he he both he gets both the overhead shot of the zeppelin going down, and he gets the. Uh, what you say, the underhead shot. <laughs> uh, like the frog perspective look of the Zeppelin just looking up at it coming down. Yeah, underneath. That shot is underneath. amazing. That shot is insane when you see it and it actually comes closer and closer and just uh, wallops down all over the camera. Yeah, I was almost prepared for getting the first crash cam there, but, but it, <laughs> it cuts away. I thought you were going to say you were always almost prepared to get the hell out of here. Yeah, Monten Roy stands there and, oh, look at this exploding uh, above our heads. And then they have to run away. And there's this ocean of fire. <laughs> oh, man. It looks so amazing. Truly, truly amazeballs. Uh, and, and we haven't even talked about... Uh, we talked about this uh, having a very ghostly um, vibe to it but the 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 most um, uh, surreal and uh, horror feel of it is when the Germans in the Zeppelin they all uh, they, they try to get away from the uh, ensuing airplanes the commander tells uh, his uh, soldiers that they they need to cut weight to get away from the the airships so uh, he needs to get uh, like everybody to jump out of the ship and they stand in line and everybody is like uh, uh, th- this is one of the few instances in the movie when I, where I actually think the acting is pretty good 
with these guys standing around waiting for their turn to jump down into this black void and this overhead shot of it uh, inside the zeppelin. Yeah, the overhead shot of the void. is. Uh... Yeah, the overhead shot of the void. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is uh, mesmerizing stuff. I-, I was enthralled. I think it's uh, some of the most uh, interesting model work we have seen because we were discussing this has to be models or is this real? It, it almost gets this uh, height and uh, it doesn't look real, uh, but you're not certain and it actually adds uh, to to the scene. Yeah, it's so uh, perfectly executed, everything. And I mean, the scale model was pretty big. I mean, uh, apparently they built this Zeppelin uh, to be like uh, 20 meters or something. I don't know what the real Zeppelin would be, like maybe 100 meters. That's a pretty good scale model to uh, crash and burn and uh, wreck havoc over a giant airplane hangar. Um, so yeah, super impressive, and they they really blast these uh, smoke machines to create the clouds uh, in this environment, and uh, how how the the zeppelin moves in and out of these walls of clouds, and everything is uh, everything is done without any music laid on. So you only hear the sounds of the airplane. I mean, the zeppelin doesn't really make a move at all. We only get uh, sound when we cut to the ensuing uh, uh, airplanes. There is this Uh, low rumble. Yeah, okay, maybe a low rumble, of course. Um, But uh, really, really toned down. And when we are sitting down in this lookout that you talked about, uh, this this great uh, guy that should have been the lead of the movie... Uh, sitting in the lookout, uh, I mean the Zeppelin is above the clouds and this uh, tiny little um, uh, airplane uh, attached to a wire from the Zeppelin is like lower down just like a reverse submarine to look down onto the ground so that people uh, with the searchlight can't see the Zeppelin because it's uh, shielded by the clouds but but this uh, lookout guy can still see everything and say, okay, let's bomb some stuff and stuff like that. When we cut to him, it's absolute silence, uh, which I thought was um, so relieving after <laughs> having endured so many silent movies with this. Yeah, the onslaught of walls of sound. Yeah, truly horrible. So this was, uh, this was fabulous. Yes, I agree. Music should be used uh, very sparingly, if at all. Yeah, moderately. Um, definitely. So, yeah, the, the Zeppelin um, chase and crash is uh, truly something special. Yeah, and then we jump ahead, I think, to when uh, von Eichhofen's Flying Circus prepare for the next attack. Uh, because there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of padding between. <laughs> There's a lot of hogwash. There's a lot of hogwash. John Cleese appears with a cane whip, which I thought was somewhat interesting. And we we get a guy who enters first with uh, <laughs> blocks of cheese. No, it's bread. Uh, it's a waiter in a in a French restaurant uh, waitering on these uh, posh and uh, pretty brutish, uh, I think, uh, British guys. Monty and Roy being all 
uh, drunkards and stuff like that. Monty's such a nag. He's just not irritating. He's a nag as well. Yeah, especially Monty. He he's really rude here. I think. I mean, he blames Gene Harlow for for sleeping with him as well. He's just uh, he's a douchebag. Yeah, he's crap. Essentially, but this waiter guy who enters with a lot of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's focus on this guy. <laughs> let's let's focus on this guy, because uh, later on, a couple of minutes later, he enters with. He enters again. <laughs> he enters again with uh, a with a tray of soups, uh, and he he stumbles and and does an excellent pratfall face down into these bowls of soup. Yeah, he face plants those soups. And he does it fantastically. I mean, this guy could have been in silent comedies. But yeah, that's essentially everything uh, that is good about the talkie scenes. So uh, yeah, let's uh, skip ahead to the next uh, battle scene. Yeah, von Eichhofen is revving up. And they uh, are up to deliver uh, yet another... Uh, one of those greatest explosions in cinema history. I'm starting <laughs> yeah, so to sound we, like a broken record. So, so they, we, we get two greatest explosions in motion history, uh, in um, cinema history. Hallelujah. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So essentially, yeah, this, this movie is um, for like two thirds boring as hell. But the other uh, third... Is it a third... Well, maybe the other fourth uh, or something like that. Anyway, truly mind-boggling stuff. We cut uh, to Lieutenant von Bruen all the time, reaction shots, and it does seem like he wonders himself what the hell he is doing up there in the air. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's scary, and when the bomb starts falling, uh, he looks even more bewildered. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> and, I mean, they blow up uh, the whole the whole goddamn place and the place is uh ammunitions depot i think okay so it's a big place you you were screaming the explosions explodes or, or they they just <laughs> they just blow up things for blowing them up we have arrived at action cinema <laughs> yeah we've finally arrived anders i mean yeah you could of course uh, a particular uh, Part of action cinema, of course. Yeah, exactly. This is the 80s action movies where you simply blow stuff up because stuff needs to be blown up. But these explosions, man. I mean, these explosions. I mean, first we get these these fantastic shots from the planes, the bomber planes, when they look down on the ground below. Exactly like the one in Wings, but this is even better. And they drop the bombs... And we we see the bombs going down all the way. And we also see trucks uh, moving along through this gigantic ammunition depot. Um, and when the bombs explode, they do they explode right in t- next to the, the trucks. Which, I mean, almost have to be propelled by humans. So, I mean, it looks extremely dangerous. And yeah, when when the explosions start going, they never stop. 
And it's that you see these buildings really explode. There's debris and particles uh, everywhere. It's uh, it's these uh, very uh, this this texture and detail to it. I mean, it. you can see that in modern movies they they try to control the explosions and try to limit what the explosions uh, affect in modern movies. But here it looks like. So, yeah, we built this uh, entire ammunition depot, uh, which is like maybe 20 wooden buildings uh, in a gigantic uh, field. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to blow it up and uh, everything is going to go flying all over. uh, And uh, especially these um, overhead uh, images uh, from the planes where you see the explosions. And you see the planks almost touching up all the way up to the uh, up to the camera. I mean, wow! And then we get an air battle. Yeah, very prolonged uh, air battle. Yeah, maybe goes on a bit too long. There is very funny reaction shots in this one, close-ups. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's uh, von Bruen who ducks down and picks up the whiskey bottle and and has to yeah drink liquor to contain himself. I think when he is shot, it, it almost looks like he is um, reacting to G-forces for, for real. He, his face just uh, flobbers about when he plays dead. <laughs> I mean, these guys are up there. Doing this for real, yeah. I mean, this is a crazy scene. There are so many planes going about, and, and uh, I think some of them are actually connecting, and uh, it looks uh, insane. Yeah, 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 definitely. And we actually get uh, a, a fantastic uh, shot of uh, two planes actually crashing into each other. Meanwhile, the, the reaction shots of von Eichenhofen <laughs> himself, it looks like he's falling asleep. <laughs> And when people get shot, there's one guy who, who uh, overacts like uh, there's no tomorrow. I mean, he... he uh, I don't know what he's doing. Cramping and... First he's cramping and then he, he catches uh, the driver of the plane that shot him who is laughing at him and then he waves to him and then he cramps up in this very stereotypical Oh, I'm dead! This is a parody of being dead look. Uh, and then we cut away from him. And they're talking between planes and stuff. Yeah, like they can hear each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, George. Hello there. Yes, well, uh, isn't it awfully nice to be up and about? Afternoon tea. The framing of the shots is fen- phenomenal. I mean, we've seen a lot of these shots from Wings, but I think it's even more impressive in this movie. I mean, Howard Hughes, uh, he certainly went to town trying to capture the best of the best uh, flying shots. Too bad that uh, you aren't uh, in any way engaged with what is happening through characters. I mean, these, uh, I can't even remember what they were called now again. Monty and uh, Roy. They don't go through anything. There is no character arc here. And and, and I mean, Gene Harlow just disappears. And uh, it doesn't have any impact on them either. So... I mean, they crash on enemy territory and, uh, yeah, the movie's over. Uh, Yeah, very, I mean, I, I, yeah, essentially a movie that nobody really needs to see. But if, I mean, the movie is on YouTube and in really pristine quality. So my advice is to check out these 
phenomenal um, action scenes and uh, leave the rest behind. And uh, that's pretty much it for Hell's Angels. Yeah. A letdown for sound cinema, but uh, yeah, a triumph for silent cinema as I'm gathering that this, these um, action scenes were shot uh, when uh, Howard Hughes were making the silent movie version. And when sound came along, he uh, forced himself to uh, uh, use sound cinema for the talking scenes. And a triumph for cinematic explosions. Oh yeah. If you like explosions, you gotta see these explosions. Tune in. Pod hard. (laughs) Out. The third is the third is man. Uh, yeah, I guess we're gonna hit uh, the the stop button. Or do you want to get a better uh, better ending? No, it's a it's a great ending, Jonas. It's a great ending. It's, is it really? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for this, everybody. Yeah. Stay safe. <laughs>